0: Nati me saranam me saranam Ete na sacchava jena Othu te jayamangalam. Nati me saranam Dhamm me saranam varam e na jena o tu te jayam mangalam na saranam anyam sang me saranam varam Tena
1: Some of you might remember this story from last year. Once the master was at prayer, and the disciples came up to him and said, "Sir." Teach us how to pray. This is how he taught them. Two men were once walking through a field when they saw an angry bull. Instantly they made for the nearest fence with the bull in hot pursuit. It soon became evident to them that they were not going to make it, so one man shouted to the other. We've had it. Nothing can save us now. Quick, say a prayer. The other shouted back, I do not have a prayer for this occasion. (laughs) Never mind, the bull is catching up with us. Any prayer will do. Well, I'll say the one I remember my father used to say before meals. (laughs) (laughs) For what we are about to receive... For what we are about to receive, Lord, make us truly grateful. How hard it is to practice that. Think of the times when we feel like we're on top of the world, and then some small little thing happens. And we can't reconcile ourselves to it, because it upsets us for a whole day or for a few hours. Maybe just a word that someone said or someone didn't say. Maybe a body language. Maybe seeing a best friend with someone you don't like. Maybe your boss telling you that you're redundant. Maybe your partner saying something similar there is so much to be grateful for and then you look around at the planet and you see many problems. Here we've been sitting practicing the ecology of the heart trying to make this heart a renewable resource and so I try to think of all the words that We apply to environmental work which might be applicable to this work of the ecology of the heart. Well, a very big one, of course, is gratitude. We want to take responsibility for things that are happening around us, but it's very hard to care and to have compassion and to feel grateful when there's so many problems without falling into anxiety, or even worse, despair, or developing a negative attitude. We try to get involved, join an organization, and then we are not happy with the leadership. Try to get involved and do something on your own and get discouraged by the apathy of people around you. Try to take responsibility and recycle your garbage properly and then find out that it's recycled but it's not reused. It's still disposed of, some of it, as refuse. Wouldn't that be enough to discourage anyone? But as Dhamma warriors, we are not allowed to get discouraged, not permanently anyway. We allow our discouragement to be impermanent as it really is, and to let it pass like a rubbish thought in the mind, and not to cling to it, not to give up or despair. I think the same must be true for this act or these intentions to make some positive change around us. As hard as it might be to try not to get apathetic, not to follow the rule, but to go against the current, now being green is popular, so it's easier to get involved and to take action. But what about the lonely Dhamma warrior? How to remain positive and devoted to a practice that nobody else seems to be doing? Certainly for me as a nun on my own, it was hard. This is such an unpopular thing, but for me this was, it was so uplifting way of bringing up gratitude in my heart suddenly realizing that I have spiritual companions willing to live the life the way that I do it there are many ways to live this holy life as a lay person as a retreatant sometimes not as a retreatant, but just as a very ethical, moral, responsible, joyful person who brings a lot of goodness into their life by keeping precepts, and by trying to live the teachings. There are so many ways, and this particular form, this particular way, is not common. But I have a wish that it will get more popular, and that in generations to come, there'll be a hermitage and a nun in every district, in every town, just like there used to be in the old days. There were monks and nuns everywhere. I remember when I went to visit Assisi in Italy, I was there with another nun in Brown like myself We were taken there after teaching a retreat in Switzerland by two of the lay women on the retreat. And when we arrived in Assisi and were walking around, there were monks and nuns on the streets in brown robes, most of them, the Christian style brown robes. And wherever we went, they would go like this to us, kind of bow their heads and acknowledge us. So we fit right in. It was glorious. And we went into one church, and the nuns that greeted us at the church said, what order are you from? (laughs) And we said, we're Buddhist. Oh, very good, very good. As if that was one of the many orders that exist in the Catholic Church. It was so delightful. There was a certain dignity to it that we walked down the street holding our heads high, not that we wouldn't anyway, but nobody was cursing or calling us names that used to happen. Maybe not so much anymore because His Holiness the Dalai Lama has given Buddhist monastics a very good name. But that sense of spiritual community and spiritual friendship, so very powerful. Just like when you're all sitting in here and I look through one of the windows and I see you all sitting there in silence, making effort, applying your mind, really giving yourself to this practice, it makes me feel very happy, because it brings up a sense of gratitude, the sense of shared community, this kind of companionship. It really does do something to one's psyche. A joy shared is a joy doubled. A sorrow shared is a sorrow So what does this have to do with renewable resource? Well, there's more of us to go around. (laughs) I just wanted to reflect a little bit about taking up this responsibility of the ecology of the heart. What it really means is there are so many words that I came up with One of them, of course, is when we sit down to meditate and we're giving ourselves to the practice, what we're trying to do is reduce the refuse that we're carrying in our minds. We're trying to empty out the rubbish quickly that we're carrying around. And whatever rubbish there is, we're not emptying it out on other people. We're doing it skillfully. And how are we doing that? We're doing it with respect. It so happens that many of these words that I came up with start with an R. So, the first thing is we come to this practice of reducing the refuse that we carry around with respect we're reflecting, we have to recognize, hey, look what there is in this mind. And as we do that, we're making the effort to sweep out empty, to reduce, and also to plant seeds of wholesome mind states, like tending your garden. So reducing the refuse and replenishing the thoughts or the state of the mind with wholesomeness, with something renewable, something that will renew us. Renewable usually means for the environment, like you can use it again. But the effect that we get, the result is that we ourselves are renewed, we are made new. When the mind is fresh and purified, we have so much energy, so much stamina to face what's going to come unexpected, we don't know what it is. But as we do this, the mind is constantly manufacturing new thoughts, reacting to new moments. A memory comes up, a difficult emotion, The face of someone that you love who's in trouble or who's suffering. And we react. So we get the next mind state that might not be so supportive. What do we do? We have to repeat the same process. As we mentioned before, it's by repetition. The practice is doing this over and over. We have to redo it. Not only are we renewed, but we have to renew our effort over and over again without giving up or changing our minds and doing something else. If I try to count how many times I've shaved my head, it's a lot of shaves, a lot of razor blades. So that mindfulness has to be razor sharp. We cannot be lazy with renewing this resource of the pure mind. We can't be lazy. We have to keep sharpening the blade of mindfulness and shaving the moment clean. I don't come out here with half a head shaved. Maybe as I get older, I'll get worse. at It It does seem to get harder to do. But we have to do it fully and not be careless in how we do it. Otherwise, we cannot sustain the level of concentration that we want in order to realize the fruits of this path. If we only have lazy mindfulness, do you get the concentration you want? Do you get the clarity? Do you get that peaceful feeling? Do you get that heightened awareness that is... So refreshing. Are we refreshed and renewed? In this kind of activity, there's a constant restraint. What are we restraining? Eyes, because we have to look at one object, not many. Not looking at visions of beautiful memories. Or imagining lovely things we could be doing or planning the next work project or thinking of the new program you could install in your computer we're restraining our thoughts we're restraining our attention focusing it's like a monoculture there's no diversity here it's one pointedness on one object in one direction towards Nirvana. So this is a tremendous level of restraint. Eyes are restrained. Of course we're silent. Ear is restrained. Tongue speech is restrained. Nose is restrained. Taste is restrained. We eat a little bit, or a little more than a little bit. Not too much. And we only eat at limited times of day. What a tremendous restraint we've practiced. Now in daily life, when you're trying to practice responsible citizenship as an environmentalist, ecologically conscientious, that also takes a lot of restraint. Every time you go to buy something, you're going to look at the packaging, that company uses too much plastic, or what are the ingredients? How many petrochemicals have they used to produce this thing that you want to use? What are the alternatives? What company do you support when you buy a computer or a car or a house or your clothing or your shoes? What are their policies? Are they responsible? These decisions take a lot of time, restraint, discipline, commitment, patience. And you have to be reasonable. You want to be very mindful, but if you're trying to do this practice in a supermarket, you cannot creep through the aisles to buy your groceries. People will get angry at you. And you can't meditate in the same way that you do here when you're driving your car you have to be responsible and reasonable where you practice and how you practice. There are different ways of being mindful. When you're sitting and meditating is one style of mindfulness But when you're trying to be mindful in daily life you have to use a little more momentum and you can learn how to do that. The walking meditation has been so helpful. To learn dynamic meditation, we have to constantly register, not just while we're sitting and meditating, but everything that we're doing, we have to always register where is my mind? What am I thinking? Am I paying attention? Am I in the present moment or lost in thought? and we've been doing this, we have to resuscitate ourselves again and again because we get tired, we get discouraged, we feel alienated, isolated in our cause. Our cause to follow this path to Nibbana or our cause to... Reduce our footprint, our carbon footprint. Increase our ethical footprint. But if we can live responsibly, dedicated to this kind of practice and keeping precepts, and we take this kind of practice into daily life as a renewable resource, we will definitely increase our ethical footprint. we might not be on retreat the way we are here but we definitely do retreat from harmful things from bad things and that includes bad company we approach what is beautiful we search for kalyanamita lovely spiritual companions sometimes they just come to us they just arrive. And it's a blessing. But if they don't arrive, for sure, seek them out. And those people who do not support you in your spiritual work, in making that ethical footprint, distance yourself, retreat from them. Leave them in their life and follow your path in the best way you can. And use the Dhamma, the triple gem, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha as your constant reference points. We do need reference points, just like a ship when you're going out of the harbor. When you come back in, there are certain buoys. Red right returning, that's what it used to be. I used to sail. So when you're out at sea and you you saw the lights coming back in, you're supposed to keep them on your right to get safely back into the harbor. So how do we keep ourselves on the right path? How do we keep ourselves from going astray? we have to use the right reference points. Not just right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration when we're sitting together or sitting alone and meditating, but when we are at work or at home, traveling. Who are we traveling with? Who do we spend our time with on the telephone? What is our profession? Is it right livelihood? Do we have the right view of the world? Do we really understand the principles of karma? And do we take them to be true? That right action will lead to wholesome result. ignoble action will lead to unhappiness, misery, suffering. And then That kind of right reference becomes for us a rescue, a refuge. Rescue means we can rescue ourselves just by realizing when we're going off the path, just at that moment we can rescue ourselves by taking these same tools that we've used here on this retreat in this hall sweeping away the rubbish when it appears and bringing up the sign of goodness bringing up wholesome thoughts positive thoughts joyful thoughts thoughts that spur us forward on the path that make us reflect on our goodness that encourage us towards things that will support us rather than the memories and self-deprecating or disparaging remarks that depress us and make us feel worthless. Switching off the bad tapes in the mind and playing those tapes that remind us how to walk skillfully, how to live skillfully, how to accomplish this work so that we can keep doing it. How to rescue ourselves and keep ourselves renewed like a renewable resource so we remember the four right efforts taking out the rubbish reducing what is unwholesome planting good seeds and preventing the rubbish from getting in If somebody hands us rubbish, you say, No, I won't have it. I'm sorry. No, I don't drink. And when you see good behavior in others, imitate it. And encourage yourself in those ways. So that when you realize in what areas you can improve, then be quick to do that. Be quick to sit when you can in the silence and refresh your practice be quick to silence your mind silence doesn't come from keeping your two lips sealed silence comes from giving up the desire to be heard that's what brings real silence to the heart giving up the wish for others to hear what you have to say for others to notice you to praise you, or not to blame you, not to hold you accountable, even if you need to be held accountable. Inviting feedback when we need it, from someone we respect, and being willing to take feedback even when we don't deserve it, even from someone we don't respect, just being willing to listen and not having to have the last word in a conflict situation, finding skillful ways to reconcile, to resolve conflict, to forgive those that don't live up to our strong expectations and opinions, to make peace with people that we have a very critical opinion of, who keep sharing their loud opinions with us, unsolicited. Maybe they don't do it physically. Maybe they just seem to keep appearing in our memory and bothering us and weighing us down. These are the things that we constantly have to be vigilant to look out for so that we do not become beaten on this path, instead the path gets beaten down and made ready for us to walk on. We must never tread on anyone else. Walking humbly, real love comes from being able to be with ourselves in the present moment exactly as it is. and. Know it for what it is and make peace with it without running back to empty praise, slaves to our inner demons, still full of fear. And the fear is only of our thoughts. Our thoughts need not enslave us anymore. We need never feel alone. We may be alone, we need never feel lonely anymore. Because when we have the courage to face those fears and know them for what they are and let them be, then in their place will come the support that we need. We have to trust that. Take refuge in what you can really trust. Find that friendship in true spiritual companions and they will help us to face those inner demons until we are able to stand free and be a friend to ourselves by taking refuge in this path in the Buddha as our best friend in wisdom as our true support in this teaching as that bright light in the heart from which all goodness and unconditional love feed us and nurture us and help us heal and restore us moment by moment. It's a miraculous process. This is practicing courage. We don't feel courageous. We feel frightened. Knowing fear is a thought. Pick yourself up and stand or sit with it for another moment. This is practicing courage in the face of fear. That is the medicine of Dhamma. That's exactly how it works. It's just one breath at a time. We don't have to ask that courageous breath to be there permanently. We just have to be ready for the next one, not with fear, but with openness, welcoming it. We'd see the source of suffering and we'd learn how to end it, to cut it at its root. That's how we create this path and how we walk it. There are going to be lots of moments when we crack up. Don't you think I have? How many times have I wept on this path? and sometimes in the middle of the weeping suddenly mindfulness, this little, hello this little mindful reminder what are these tears for? it's like, phew and you start over again we are going to have conflict feel discouraged or unable to face the day for whatever reason and then We pick up the pieces and we begin again. We refresh ourselves. We resurrect ourselves. We resuscitate. We renew the renewable resource. We reduce, recycle, restart, and keep going. Reflecting over and over again and finding refuge in what is worthy of our refuge. This is from the Tao Te Ching. Bend and you will be whole. Curl and you will be straight. Keep empty and you will be filled. Grow old and you will be renewed. If you have attained wholeness, Everything will flock to you. Bend and you will be whole. Curl and you will be straight. It gives me a lot of courage because how many times I've been all curled and tangled and felt small and unwhole and unable. And then the only thing to do was straighten up. Uncurl, unfurl, be like a sail in the wind and move forward.
0: Andamayangamataya sadu karangadamase sadu.